Hello, everyone. Welcome to Therapy Secrets. I'm your host, Jason Conover. Happy to be here, uh, active therapist, um, life coach, and Arbinger facilitator. <clears throat> There's a lot of dynamics that go on in therapy and a lot of things that help it be powerful and, and wonderful. And definitely one of those is being fully present um, with the client, being able to be in that space and really see it as a sacred space, somewhere where someone is willing to trust their life, their heart, their their emotions, their thoughts. Um, and so it is a, it is a very uh, high privilege to be able to sit in that space with um, clients in uh, often their most difficult and most vulnerable situations. Um, I think there's a lot of pressure we feel sometimes as therapists to have a solution or have an answer. Um, I think this comes from an anxiety that there's an expectation that is probably not true most of the time. And if we can step back and really become connected and, and deeply curious um, and open to learning from the client in that space, that's been some of the most dynamic moments for me, um, particularly in coaching where we just allow that space um, and possibilities open up and discoveries that I wouldn't ever have imagined. And in that space, um, something greater comes out of the connection, the, the time together, the, um, the thoughtful, pondering the questions. And that's what really makes for the, the greatest moments. Um, I enjoy teaching ideas a lot, but nothing matches that moment of discovery when I'm learning with and from the client and we're uh, experiencing that wonderful synergy together. Now, there's a lot of ideas, and often in therapy we may um, invite, we may challenge, um, we may uh, look for commitments. Um, but in all of these things, the hope is, is that there may be an awakening, um, a discovery, a shift. Um, as I've talked about on this podcast, many times we get focused on behavior and behavior change. I was working with a client that um, was picking the skin around his nails. And we were talking about how if we just focused on changing that behavior, that probably wouldn't be as helpful because there's likely emotion underneath that. And he's a young person, but he had great insight to be able to see that and know that that was probably for him nervousness, um, anxiety. And he could tell that um, when he gets more worried or nervous, then that behavior uh, increases. So then we go to that deeper level. We try to understand the emotion. But emotions, as we know, don't respond the best to just trying to be changed directly. And so we're often left still with a puzzle. And this is the realm of therapy is how do we regulate emotions? How do we understand them and work so that we can play them as it were like a, like a fine instrument, um, like a beautiful violin or harp? that we might have that kind of emotional mastery. 
this is not taught most places. Um, and there's a, uh, a challenge, a problem of sorts, driven by some of the ideas that are popular, and that is that the emotion is just happening to us. It's happening like, um, like an outside force uh, impacting us. And this is um, really challenging because although it relieves us of responsibility, it is a profound disadvantage because it doesn't invite discovery and it doesn't invite mastery um, of emotion. So we can feel innocent, but it's not helpful um, and can lead to helplessness and hopelessness very easy. So it is a little bit challenging to understand because a lot of the area that is my specialty that I really love to focus in is the, quote, invisible. It's the area we don't even know. We don't see, um, particularly because we have deceived ourselves. Let me walk through a simple example and see if this will hold together. So seeing my son as a person with hopes and needs and fears, I have a sense and a desire to help him with homework. I have a choice. I can choose to honor him, which will guide me towards that, um, the need and, and responding to him as a person. It's also amazingly accurate and wise because I can also know the amount to help him and not necessarily overhelp because it's for him and not to reinforce my um, sense of uh, ego or sense of uh, good father kind of ideas. I'm, I'm operating and navigating uh, from, from him, from his needs. Now, I'm a person also. This stabilizes and bounces because I am going to have a sense that is also sensible. It's um, something you can see if you, if you start to watch for it. It's uh, very simple, but very profound. Now, I can also betray that. If I betray that, I enter into a, a different space. Uh, it's, a, it's a simple choice, but it appears that as human beings, we don't like to be wrong. And so we create an altered reality, um, a story involving ourselves, um, likely in my case, my son, and possibly others. Whatever is going to be effective to help me um, generate an, an alternative uh, story. So Essentially, I had a sense and a desire, and I betray it. In the betrayal, I also purchase a need, a need to be right. This is uh, compelling because before I had no need. I was at peace. I was in harmony with, with another person. But I betray, although it seems super small, and it can be, I still purchase this need for justification. So I might, in, in my example, I might see myself as tired. 
that I've done a lot of work already today, that I work hard for our family, and that this isn't really something that should be expected of me or something that I have energy for after a long day at work. I may begin to think about my son in ways. Why can't he do it? He should be able to do this. He's not applying himself very well. <clears throat> if he showed me that he was willing to work uh, as hard as he could, I, I would be willing to help him. But he needs to pull his weight. I've seen him wasting a lot of time. He spends too much time doing things that he needs to be doing uh, better on his priorities. Um, on and on. I may include uh, my wife and see her as being a person that would be more ideal for helping him with his homework. Now, thinking those thoughts, constructing that altered reality, am I more likely or less likely to help him with his homework? So pondering this, I've actually um, seen in, in my own life uh, that I can weave a tapestry that actually blinds me to the truth. And in that space we refer to as the box uh, at Arbinger, I can't see. I can't see, and that creates a number of problems. I don't see people anymore as people, including myself. I don't see the truth about my son or the situation because I've purchased that justification, the need to be justified with betrayal. It seems like this strange essential requirement almost of, of, uh, of the betrayal. And so this realm, the box, is what I'm talking about that's hard to understand because it's invisible. When I betray myself, and often betray myself many times, over many days, many weeks, and many years, I become um, deceived. I believe the story. I believe the character that I've constructed. I believe um, the, the way that I see the world. The way that I feel further justifies me. And I cling to those feelings and those thoughts that are um, in, in alignment with that. And so in this realm, this is where we can and do create problems for ourselves. And yet we're blind. We can't see it. So let me circle back around. So this is really what's going on in this model underneath emotions and why it's been so difficult. And most of the field of psychology hasn't even given it any um, credence or paid any attention to it. It demands responsibility. It demands morality, humanity, seeing others as people. It requires being wrong, which is very uh, fundamentally challenging. And it is particularly difficult to get out of because I feel justified. It's kind of hard to imagine it um, because we like to believe that we can always see. 
uh, say, you know, my, my left hand knows what my right hand does. Um, and so this is why this has been a central dilemma in social sciences for many, many years. But with the breakthroughs of the Arbinger Institute, we know that we can, we can um, get out of this box. There are ways. And the, the hope is always that there are places in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our world, where we are out of the box, where we can see clearly, where we haven't betrayed, and often where another person offers us a gift of seeing us as a, as a true and whole human being. And in these moments, we get glimpses of what it's like to not be in the box. We experience it, we feel it, and these places are oasises that can give us opportunity and leverage, clarity, and the ability to um, find, our, find our way out, to have the light so that we can have contrast to illuminate the dark so that the hope is available and the call can ring again for how to be with another person, to surrender the, the rightness, the, the demand of rightness, the need for rightness, and begin to explore and discover and honor. So that's the idea, is that all of that um, way of being, the mindset, or underneath the emotion. It's really an, kind of an invisible realm, but it's not terribly invisible to others in our lives. They aren't blinded by the box often in the same way, so they can see, which is a particular challenge also, because if I'm blind, I'm also resistant in the box. And so I'm not open to being told or taught or having someone share um, what they can see. And so I resist people and sometimes push them away, avoid, or do other things to keep um, to keep justified, to stay, to stay justified. And so just some really amazing uh, things to ponder. Think about underneath emotion, what's deeper than emotion. Have a great night. <laughs>